Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, getting my sexy on. Welcome to another edition to the other sideline junkies. Tuesday night flight. It's me, it's me, it's the big guy KG. Sitting in, well, the big guy KG, aka the Magic Johnson of Merlin, sitting in with the Magic Johnson of Virginia, the Midnight Rider. Oh boy, oh boy. Ah oh, man, come on. We're ready now. for one today already. Yeah. Always. You guys, you should have kept that theme, you know what I'm saying? We, we football today. We well, got a heavy yeah. football show. You know what I'm saying? We're giving them, giving them some draft picks. Um, and you got to let me know how you want to do this um, Redskins thing. But, yeah, we're going we gonna to make it happen. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. I, I'll run all that down to you. But first and foremost, how you feeling? Man, I'm good, man. I just, you know, you know, I'm doing a double today. You know, I have my little um, pre-show show that I, have, I do now. So, you know, I got responsibilities, man. Got responsibilities. Yes, yeah, I'm like Wu Tang. Everybody love the kids. Hey, not not a problem here. Uh, man, we got to start this off right. I gotta. I'm trying to get everything set up and do what we need to do, but we got to start this off right. Okay. It came down, I believe, it was yesterday, but a a run. To the J E T S Jets Jets Jets. Uh, first and foremost, let's talk about your feelings before we get into what they gave up to get them. Okay, um, I feel good. You know, um, had a good day. Had a balanced lunch. You know, McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Um, nah. Um, <laughs> seriously, I, I, I like it. I mean, I thought it had to happen. I mean, it's the only thing, and I knew it was going to take this long. Just because um, pressure make things happen. NFL, if there's not a deadline, then it would have drifted on. But thankfully, we had the draft, and I knew this week was going to be the week. I thought it may have been um, Thursday when they were on the clock at 13. That it may have, may have happened, but at least this gives them time to figure out what they do, what their moves going to be. Um, hopefully, it gives a person like me time that I can jump in and do a couple mocks with um, the Jets. And mock with the um Packers. Now, um, it's a blockbuster trade. ESPN says months in the making. I'm sorry, Fox News says months in the making. Uh, per ESPN, the Jets receiving Rodgers, the 15th overall pick in a 2023 draft, a 2023 fifth round pick, which is number 170, in exchange for the 13th overall pick in 2023, a 2023 second round pick which is number 42, the sixth round pick, which is 207, and a conditional 2024 pick that will become a first, if, a 2024 second round pick that will become a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays this season. All right, so let's, let's do this exercise. Okay. Take a pen, take the first round pick, and scratch that out. All right. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me get some paper here. Let me get some paper. Let me get some paper. All right. First right, so round, you scratch, you scratch those two out. Uh huh. First you round, have pick. 42, the 42. second round pick. Mm-hmm. Right? You should have, I guess, there was a fifth or a sixth round pick in that. Uh, that you talking about what the Packers got, right? They got a fifth at 170, uh huh, as well as the 15th overall pick. Nah, scratch that out. We don't, oh, so we, we, we're scratching the 15th overall out, right? And we're doing the conditional. The conditional two, maybe one, in um, 2024. Okay. 
So essentially, you gave up Aaron Rodgers to simplify the deal. You gave up Aaron Rodgers for a second and a fifth this year, and then you get you, you pick up either a second or a first next year, and that's actually perfect for them. That's that's actually a good deal. People say they gave up a lot, but if the Jets, the Jets team I watched early last year, they were in a lot of ball games and they gave a lot of people trouble. So if they can solidify the QB spot and put some put some line help in front of them, I think they're going to draft a lineman early because uh, they got to figure out their tackle situation, um, especially with Makai Becton. He's lost some weight this all season, but that doesn't tell me anything. Um, and then you also have to figure out. I think they need a running back. Um, that's different from Michael Carter um, and Brees, um, Brees Hall. Even though I think Brees Hall is the best back on that team, I think they got to get a guy like a um, Tajay Spears um, or Israel, I think it's Abena Nakwe from the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, you got to get one of those type of backs, one of those backs that are um, speedy, light, can be effective in the passing game. And Hall can do all those things. Hall's a three-down back, but you always want to get another dimension or another option. On the Green Bay side, I mean, they just got to figure out when the heck they're going to actually add some offensive talent to this roster. I mean, I, I don't get it. You have Aaron Rodgers, but you don't give him the weapons. So hopefully they figure something out because they got to put better talent around Jordan Love. Um, so that's how I see it. Looking at this, not even a trade, just a simple fact that Aaron Rodgers goes to uh, New York. It looks like he's following the footsteps of Brett Favre. If he winds up in Minnesota the following season and plays in Minnesota, has Minnesota on the cusp of a Super Bowl, that's very doable. I mean, if you look at the way it's set up, I mean, I think for the Jets, that would be a disappointment if that happened. But I think the Jets have a two-year window. This is their two-year window to do whatever. And then you get to f- figure out in year three, you draft the quarterback at some point, and you had that quarterback and Wilson figure out what's your future going to look like. And speaking of Wilson, I was getting ready to ask, what happens to him? Because he made Nothing. a statement back in January. If they decided to sign a veteran quarterback, he was going to make his life a living hell. I think if you sign anybody else, you can, he, he has a point that he can maybe – Makes my life a living hell. But it's Aaron Rodgers. I mean, if you can't back up Aaron Rodgers, then I mean I don't know. I mean, I know, I know we all have um what we call athletic arrogance, but if you can't back up Aaron Rodgers, then uh it's no point. Now I can understand not wanting to back up Mike White or not wanting to back up Joe Flacco, but one of the, of the premier quarterbacks of this generation, yeah, if anything, that's a you problem. <laughs> Well, my, my word for the day has been uh, piss boy. Okay. And, and I think that's what that's what Zach Wilson is about to become. He's about to become Aaron Rodgers' piss boy. Because, okay, let's take out the futility in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers is probably one of the best regular season quarterbacks of this generation, probably to ever grace uh, the, 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 the football field. And if he comes out as Aaron flipping Rogers, like we know he would, 
the Jets team going to be scary. I think they just kind of move shoulder to shoulder with the Dolphins and the Bills just now. I think that's oh, I think so. And, and yeah, I I think New England moves back. I think this might be the most exciting exciting division to watch uh, come 2023. So, uh, on the Packers side, how much confidence do you have in Jordan Love? Um, I'm not in love with Love, but I'd love to see what Love can do. Um, I think the kid has, I mean, he's shown flashes. I just think really his struggle has been, it has never been his team. Or he's never had that feeling. He's never had the ability to go out on the field and just play and not really look over his shoulder. And and I think for him, that might, that might help him out. And I think Green Bay in this situation, I think they get 13, right? Or they get 15. They get 13. So if they get 13, like for me, I'm big on the kid um Jack Jackson Smith. Um and Jigba, I think is how you say it. Uh the wide receiver out of Ohio State. If you throw him in the slot, um, you already got um Garrett Wilson on the outside. That's a face of familiarity because they both were at um Ohio State together. So it makes this transition a little bit easier. And then you got Corey Davis on the other side just trying to figure out his life because he knows he's not worth worth the contract he's playing on. Um, and then you get a good run game. You got Rodgers. And if that line can do anything, um, goodness. I mean, it's going to be trouble. It's going to be trouble in the East. This That's going to be a, the beast of the East. Well, might, both East divisions might be, be the best divisions in football. Well, as I think the Packers, and, you know, we talk about the history of the game. If you look at the ebb and flow. Oh, here we go. Let's go. The connoisseur <laughs> history, baby. You look at I'm going to call you Tacitus this week. Yeah. Oh, you might do. be Herodotus. You know what I'm saying? I had to go into my Greek historians <laughs> to give you a nickname. If you look at the ebb and flow of the, of the Packers history, before Lombardi got there, when they were coached under Curly Lambeau, they were winning. Then they had a low where they were losing. Lombardi comes in, they win five straight championships. Right? Lombardi leaves, they fall off. And they fell off for a long time. They fell off for the rest of the 60s because everybody got older. All through the 70s, the 80s. The, you know, they were contenders, but they weren't tops. In the 90s, Holmgren comes in, Brett Favre comes in. They become contenders again. You know, they win a Super Bowl in 96. Yeah. Start, start Sterling Sharp yes. put that team in place to, to be great because he allowed – because Brett Favre was allowed to just throw him the ball anyway, anywhere, anyhow. And that created who Brett Favre was in the long run. And after that experience, he had, he had to learn to share the football around a little bit. Um, he didn't have great receivers, but they were always good enough for him to make them shine. So, yeah, definitely. Brett Favre. Oh, hold on. The reason we call – I call him an historian because we did a checklist <laughs> on the Sideline Junkies um, – Facebook page, folks. Okay, <laughs> everybody's listing these players out, and I, I'm going down the list. And this dude's favorite team is the 1958 Colts, followed by who? The 19 the 76 Raiders. 76 Raiders. Dog, I love football. I can go back in history with a lot of people, but I don't. I don't have that much. Like I'm, I'm here. Like it's like that part in um, 
uh, white man can't jump when he say I'm going to the 10th floor and drop me off at the 7th. Yeah, you dropped me off at the 7th with your, your history knowledge. Yeah, definitely, bro. Look, it's impressive, man. For sure, it's impressive. I, I've been from this area, and you know, you have you see the hurt of the Colts leaving, so you hear so many people talk about the old Colts and things like that. So you go and you read books. And, you know, like ESPN showed the greatest game ever, which is the 1958 championship against the uh, the Giants. That's right. Names in that in that game, I'm like, damn, I didn't know they were players. They were coaches. So many coaches right. came out of that game. But it right. was a great game to watch. But I'm like my favorite quarterback of all time will always be Johnny Unitas because I'm in love with his football mind. I'm in love with the way he operated. He could go out and throw six touchdowns or six interceptions, but his expression never changed. His face was always the same. I love it. I love it. That's just me. That's just me, man. Uh, but Brett Favre did have top-tier receivers because after Sterling Sharp, remember he had, and this was the thing, Green Bay was like Pittsburgh is now with receivers because right. you went from Sterling Sharp, then you had uh, Antonio Freeman, Robert Brooks, uh damn who else is after that you had mark tremere at tight yeah, end donald driver. yeah donald duke in the driver you you had guys all right that came in and just they balled out greg jennings every time one one big play receiver went down another one came up they did the same thing right. for Rodgers because you had you lose Devonte adams but when you had adams you had uh valdez scantling who i i thought was an absolute beast i loved him and now he's in Kansas City balling out. All right. But I think they have to stay on the same train and find the next big receiver for Jordan Love that can turn oh, hey, one. The kid that wore 24 this year, um, they drafted him. He's out of like central Michigan. Um, I'll get his name. Keep going. But for the Packers, you still got Aaron Jones at running back, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you you're got Aaron Jones. Yeah, you're good there. AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon, you're good there. Leave, leave it alone. Don't mess with it. Two-headed monster. And those dudes trip in the five yards. They'll run to the line, trip, and got five yards. And then they may crawl and get you seven. But they're going to have to – Green Bay, in order to be successful this season, take it slow. Oh, this will take it slow. Take it slow. They need to run. They need to run the football. That's my whole point. Take it slow. Okay. You got to oh, take it slow. Know. I mean, okay. yeah, I was listening to John Legend. Sorry. I was about to say, I thought I thought that was John Legend, but I didn't hear the, you know, I didn't hear the 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 the, 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 the little octave joint, the pitch. Oh, by the short. Can't get can't show you all my skills now. But okay. if they take it slow and they go run 60-40, they'll be a little bit uh a little bit more dangerous because then it'll take it's kind of sort of like i hate to keep bringing this up kind of sort of like the 2012 rg3 what made that 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 2012 redskin team dangerous the threat of the run because alpha morris christian watson christian watson alpha morris could pick up five six yards rg3 could run you know you had things but when they ran play action and sucked everybody in, RG3's had to chuck the ball over the top of the linebackers because the safeties popped up. Aldrick Robinson, 
and uh, uh, what was the boy name? They used to call him Triple A. Um, God, I can't think. Anthony Armstrong, huh? Anthony Armstrong, I think so. He was another speaker. Oh, that team was that's Josh Morgan. Um, no, no, that was uh, Niles Pole, yeah, Aldrick Robinson, Pierre Garcon, right? Yeah, but it, but they had burners on there, and Pierre Garcon yeah. to take a slant. He would if we would have ran the West Coast offense that year, we would have been good because <laughs> Pierre nah, Garcon. But only that hurt Pierre that year was the fact that on that run, that that eighty-eight yard reception or whatever it was, um, his toe got messed up at the last part of that run yeah. against New Orleans. Yeah, and he was just never the same the rest of that season. But when he was out, remember the whole time he was Hankerson. out, Hankerson. Hankerson. Hankerson was on that squad out of Miami. Yes, but sir. remember the whole time he was out, we didn't really play too well. But when right. he came back, the team started rolling again. That's when we won those seven straight games. But right. it was a threat of the run. So Green, my whole point is Green Bay has to use the same thing, the same philosophy. Start running, ground and pound, and get them to load the box with eight. And just when they think you're about to run it again, play action over the top all day long. If you can't go over the top, you got to draw them in, but bait them in. All day long. That's that. And ex- Jameson Crowder was on that team. Yeah, Jameson Crowder was the punt returner on that team, wasn't he? Yeah, he. I think he's either that year or the very next year. This one, yeah. But I know he was. He was in that RG three run because he caught a couple deep balls too. But uh, nah, because Tanner was still here. So I don't think I don't think Crowder came to the next year. I think Crowder came thirteen or fourteen. Okay. I can't remember because, uh, you know, <laughs> wait, <laughs> hold on. Go back to the Jets real quick. I forgot about this. The Jets have also have Alan Lazard, uh, Garrett Wilson, CJ Uzuma at tight end. That's me, Brett Favre's best friend. Yeah. I mean, not Brett Favre, but Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Like, literally the second Aaron Rodgers walks in the building. Like, I get in his hip pocket, and I'm walking around with him, talking to him the whole time. Yeah. Because you yeah. saw what that kid did with Burrow. And that, that Burrow year got him the free agent deal in um, New York. So, out yeah. I would be right there with him. Uh, let me see. They got they got a nice – and they got a nice uh, – Yeah, Crowder was drafting in 15 by Washington. Okay. All right. So all my years running together. That's on me. I got so much, so much in this in this brain. I don't, uh, I don't remember some certain guys' years, but uh, I think the Jets, the Jets gonna make out early. They're gonna look like the winner in this deal early, but you're not gonna be able to tell in one season. You got to see how the draft picks develop, who they pick. You won't be able to tell for at least four to five years who won this draft. But everybody's gonna swear the Jets won it. Nah, I, I, I disagree with you, KG. I think I think this draft's gonna have it's gonna be graded in two in two forms. It's gonna be gra- graded initially on year one success of Rogers, because that's the kicker of the whole thing. And do we get a year two of Rogers? I think those are the first two and the biggest two factors in this process. After you carry those two things, or we take care of those situations, I think after that comes the future of the deal. But if they do this right, it'll be like um, the Rams with Stafford. 
But they said, forget them draft picks. Mm-hmm. You know, you got your Super Bowl. Now they struggled last year, but they don't care because you got the Super Bowl. Final question before we move on. All right. Does Aaron Rodgers wear 12 in New York? No, nah, he's wearing eight, his old cow number. You know, I was about to, I was about to say if he wears 12. Well, Joe I gave him permission. I don't Joe gave, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, historian. Hold on, Tacitus. He gave him permission, but Aaron Rodgers wanted eight. So you're safe there. Okay. I, you were the first person I thought of when the trade went through. Because I was like, he's going to cry about Joe Willie Namus number coming out of the rafters. I already, I already knew it. Well, you know what? I can't say I don't care what, what, what Joe Namus says. Because, that, you know, that's his number. And it, it's 12 in New York. That's what you, you, you equated with. But I can say the same thing about Theismann. Theismann gave Dwayne Haskins his permission to win number seven. Ah, ah. On that one, I think, I, think, I think the media and they put Joe in a bad spot because Joe wanted to say no. He Joe was not going to say yes. But I think the way it got presented, Joe just kind of was like he didn't want to ruffle feathers because, um, you know, Joe still Joe is still pro-organization no matter what. Um, and he'll be the one person or one of the few people who will come out and say some quality things about Snyder um, because Dan has allowed him to stay around the franchise in some shape or form. Um, he still does the games in the preseason. Mm-hmm. So, like, Joe Joe is, is more of an ambassador. He's more of um, Switzerland. If, <laughs> if Joe was a country, he'd be Switzerland. He'd be neutral in a lot of things. Switzerland. I like that. I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, but if he's going to wear eight, I got no issue with that. I, I can't say nothing. I can't drop nothing there. What's going on there? How y'all, How you feeling out there? Thanks for joining us tonight. Old math player. Okay. I like the name. Now, let me, we got to switch gears real quick because I know we're supposed to be heavy NFL. Let's switch gears real quick. LeBron James looking real 2020 ish. Last night, he played 45 minutes, 20 points. I'm sorry, 22 points, 20 rebounds, and seven assists in a win over the Grizzlies, 117 to 111. Uh, I love what Shaq said. <laughs> hey, Dylan Brooks, 20 and 20 is 40. I love it. Um, You being a Laker fan, what you got? Lakers and six. <laughs> That's all? That's all. I, got. I mean, I don't have to see, see, see KG. When, you, when your team is the standard, the standard bearer, you don't have to say much. You know what I'm saying? All that. See, I like Dylan Brooks, all the yapping, all the talking, the chirping. But when you're the standard builder, all you do is be succinct and to the point. Lakers and six. But no, nah, seriously, the, the analyst of me thinks that um, I think Brooks brought a bit off more than he can chew. And now he's trying to backtrack and he's being real immature and not talking to the media afterwards. And this is one of those situations where having a good vet would, would kind of change some of that stuff. And I don't know. And I think the other thing that hurts them more than anything else is Steven Adams isn't playing. And Steven Adams is their tone setter. Um, like people don't pay attention to certain guys because they don't score all the points and they don't do all the stuff, but he's their dirty work. He's their junkyard dog. And because he's missing, I think some of that dog is missing because nobody's scared of him. I mean, I'm not scared of Dylan Brooks. I'm not scared of um, Desmond Bain. Um, I'm not scared of any of those guys. Like they don't, um, put in fear. And the only thing that only person you worry about is 
Ja and um the boy, the guy from Georgetown's son, um, Jared Johnson. Is that his Jared name? Jackson. Jackson. Um, let me get to these comments real quick. Uh we doing pretty good out this thing. We we doing good, you know, doing our thing. And uh Cigar Man, the sumo won't be on until Saturday for the Saturday night WrestleManiac. So Saturday at nine, you can see the uh, sumo spark one up. Um, as far as LeBron goes, I, I've just been watching videos and watching videos and watching videos. The LeBron slander needs to totally stop because the, the oh well LeBron everybody's eight on LeBron watch and you know Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett got a lot to say but here's my thing much as I love Kevin Garnett your career is here LeBron's career is here LeBron, LeBron not only carried a franchise he carried a city and Kevin Garnett Got to the furthest he got in the West was the Western Conference Finals in 2004, and they wound up losing to uh, the Lakers. That series, that series changed the second that um, Sam got hurt. That series shifted. That was the 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 that year, and I think the year before, or two years before in the 2002 run, I think Yao Ming got hurt in in that run. So those those are like people don't think about this, but sometimes in your run you need some good luck, mm-hmm. and I think those were two things that helped in that in those two runs. I don't mean to get off track. I got you. And it's Laker history, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And Kevin Garnett never got out of the West, right? He goes to the East, 2008. They run through the East. Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce barely made the playoffs more than twice before. Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett came over. You had a a little window of about three years. And you made the finals two out of those three years. Like I always say, this is a group of guys that hold on to that one ring so tightly and that run so tightly. Like they they won eight, nine championships and they devalue everybody that they play. Oh, we 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 destroyed LeBron. We destroyed LeBron. We 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 buried that Cleveland jersey in the guard. No, you didn't. Well, they did force him to go somewhere else. He won't admit it, but he knew he had to get dogs to go in that fight. It's just like um, like Kobe knew he had to get some more artillery um, after that run against Boston. You need it. You need, sometimes you need guys, and they don't have to be great guys. You need guys that want it. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of, and, and this is hard for me to say because I, I'm one of the few people like I like I like the main players, but I have other players that are like role players that I enjoy watching. And I was a big Trevor Reza guy um, when he was in New York. It's one of my it's one of my draft weaknesses. I cannot eat, evaluate a wing player that's six six or taller that's athletic. I fell in in that category. I would literally tell my sister GM or whoever like that's yours because I, I fall in love too easily. So, but he's one of those guys that I, I just really liked. And I knew he wasn't tough enough for us to be Boston. So when our test came, I was I was ready. I was like, yeah, we got this. <laughs> By the way, I don't understand nothing about hey, 
we will give a clinic. Anything you got, we will give a clinic. We'll help you understand it. We'll break it down for you. I'll let you know that. Got a, we got a dry erase board. Yeah. And I can draw some plays here. In my you eyes like Mooch. Even though I'm just going to tell y'all now, if you watch Mooch, draw the play for the NFL draft. It's the same play. It's just got three different names because of the formation he draws it out of. <laughs> it's the same play, guys. Split bid. And God bless you, too. And we could get bids, man. We could sit down and just have a good old talk about some anything. Uh, But my point is, with LeBron, everybody wants to talk about his legacy. Oh, he's never going to be the big star that Jordan was. And But Gilbert Renner said Jordan would never be the big star that LeBron is. And I'm like, why does it even matter? You don't, I keep saying this and I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. You do not have to diminish one player to elevate another. You don't have to. It's unnecessary. But that's our, that's the way we consume sports now. We consume sports on, on a 365 talk radio, talk show um, platform. So you get platforms that started with, um, Will Bond and um, and Kornheiser doing their show. Then you start, and it starts to evolve, and it's evolved into the first takes, the Shannon and Skips, um, all these shows, and those shows need fodder um, to talk about. So you have to, at times, make these comparisons, draw these parallels, because you can't do it any other way. You can't, you can't compare errors any other way than just by talking about it. So but that's what it's become. It's become our way of our way of trying to validate where we and I think sometimes it comes down to our pride and when we grew up. Um so we take so much pride in that that we always fight for our our, our guys. Here's my thing. We watched a lot of basketball in our life. But but <laughs> we never diminish the past. Like, I hear people say, well, Bob Cousy only had one hand. But for his error, he was one of the best point guards to ever play the game. I, I don't understand. You know? I still it's believe because- that John Havlicek is the greatest sixth man of all time. There's not a better sixth man than John Havlicek. Go check his DNA. Go check his race- resume. Because Hondo was the main. Hondo is still the main. Yeah, but we're so far away from those errors that um, the historians um, are not present to teach everybody. So all everybody's getting their knowledge from is they'll pull up a YouTube video. They won't have any backstory. They'll watch the game or watch the play and be like, oh, this guy's trash because he's not doing what they do now, which we would consider trash because it's not the way – we play basketball. Perfect example is that video you sent in the what's um in the chat, where the kid gets the guy with a move, stands there, waits for him to come back, and then settles for a step back, actually a step back, step over fadeaway three that he just so happened to make. Like it, it was like he went from a good basketball play to making it a bad basketball play in one second, but the crowd never saw that because the crowd was too busy on and on because the guy took three steps back. On the movie, mate. So, yep, it's 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 about what's the priority, 
you know, what's, what's, what, what do you believe in? Let, let me let me throw this out there. When we talk about legacy, in my honest opinion, the greatest uh, assembly of talent of all time is the 92 Dream Team. 11 Hall of Famers and a college kid. And somebody posted a video. and they, I, I put it in the Sideline Junkies group, so if you haven't seen it, please go look at that. He turned the, the comments off. He was like, oh, LeBron's uh, 2012 team would destroy this team. They didn't want to play. They got beat by a bunch of college kids. But what you don't tell is the context from that, do that documentary. That's a Dream Team documentary. The context was Chuck Daly. Coach Chuck D, a.k.a. Daddy Rich, had a philosophy. He was like, you guys are too giving. He took Jordan out the game. And that did Jordan didn't want to play. He sat out. He took Jordan out the game, wouldn't play, let him play. He wanted them to stop being selfish. I mean, stop being unselfish and start being selfish because they were making the extra pass and trying to just do everything right. He was like, I don't want that. I want you guys to play. And the score of that game, and Chris Webber tell you, he was like, man, I was dunking. I was doing this. Oops, from Bobby Hurley and all this. But the, what that video did not tell is the next day when they came into practice, it was something totally different. They couldn't get no shots off. Those college kids couldn't do anything. They got their asses handed to them royally. But this is where we have the problem, and this is where the, the LeBron haters love to live. You'll destroy LeBron's legacy, what he does, but big up Jordan's. But then on the other end, when you're a Jordan, when you're a LeBron fan, you'll big up LeBron and you'll say, well, Jordan played in a weak era. He played against plumbers and, 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 and congressmen. If we do not start appreciating LeBron James, you're going to blink two times and he's going to be retired. And you're going to be like, damn, the, the, the NBA was a little bit better when LeBron was here. Went through it with Kobe. You went through it with MJ. You went through it with Duncan. You went through it with all the great players. You have to appreciate them. Even if you don't like them, you got to appreciate them. Because pretty soon they're going to be gone. That's going to be it. You have to appreciate that. That's all. I mean, that's just me. That's just what I'm saying. You got to appreciate the guys while you got them. How many how many times uh, are, are guys actually looking at you see more Kobe highlights, MJ highlights? Uh I see Hakeem Olajuwon highlights all the time. Somebody said that he wasn't a, a top 10 center all the time. I said, are we watching the same highlights? You know? And I've always said that I would love to see LeBron go to uh Olajuwon. I said this about 10, 15 years ago. I love to see him go to Olajuwon and just work on footwork on the post. And I would love to see LeBron come down and put people in the post and just dog them all day long. Right. He, but he, never, had, he never had the guards. The guards didn't make that work. No. 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 Never. But I love the way he's playing now, and I'm appreciating it, and I'm appreciating the greatness of it. Uh, I hope for the next 10 years he keeps playing like that because, I mean, you know, time's getting short. We yeah. almost down to single digits now. This man might only play another nine years now, y'all. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't, hey, if his body hey, holds, he'll do it. I mean, the key again, like I told you before, the, the other key to the Lakers is Austin Reeves, man. Oh. Can't talk more about this guy. The guy 
he he does enough little stuff. He's another one of those guys that I just like, and it's 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 the coaching me. Sometimes I don't I don't need to like the guy from one to four or one to five. It's always a guy, a random guy that I like on the team, and like my boys just look at me and shake their head. Perfect example: Shannon Brown. Love me some Shannon Brown. Uh, again, he's a wing, athletic, six seven. That's my type, but we ain't gonna talk about that. <laughs> well, still, I like I love what Austin Reeves brings because he bounces the four, and then with um, uh, what's this boy, um, D'Angelo Russell on the other side. You know, with him, you know, you you get that a perfect balance of shooters to open the floor for LeBron, KD. I mean, I'm not KD. Um, uh, Mr. Glass, um, AD. AD, um, Mr. Glass. Just, you know, and then I think the, the adding of a kid like Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's just a dog that's going to play defense from the second you get off the bus to the second you walk back to your um your locker. Mm-hmm. He's in your hip pocket. And I think those moves now look way better than they did when I first saw him. I didn't see the vision. It's like when your barber's cutting your hair, and he's like halfway through, and you looking like, oh, I ain't paying him for this. And then he gets finished, and it's like, oh, okay, yeah. I didn't see this like 10 minutes ago. You know what I'm saying? You didn't understand the vision because you didn't know how he was getting it. And that's right. what I thought about that trade. Like, I thought – I didn't think it was good, but I like the fact they had the shooters and defenders. And now we're seeing them reap um, the benefits from those decisions they make. All right. Now we're going to take a quick deviation. I like to call this one the praise break. It's not your t- traditional praise break, but I got to give praise to the Midnight Rider. Sunday, on the Sunday rise, we were talking about the Talladega 500, which is uh, the oh, Geico sure. 500. This dude, I, this is, what, what is this? Talladega? Bush, Bush, Kyle Bush got it. If he's in the field, he got it. Kyle Bush got it. Who wins Talladega? <laughs> Kyle Bush. Like I wish I had a parlay in on that or some sort of some sort of bet because I would want me some money there, but we well it was almost it was almost Ty Ty Gibbs was um, the thing that hurt the the group and wouldn't put Bush in the place was um, they do what's called overtime. So in overtime, uh, before when they started the race back up, there was a crash and that crash um, made them do they had to go around the track and I think they ended up having to do. Another, they double overtime, and so they had to do three laps. So Bush was always lurking, and he just popped to the front. I was, when I saw it, I was like, I just started laughing. When I tell you the Midnight Rider called it, I, I got nothing to say, man. I got nothing to say. Now, if he give me some lottery numbers, I'm going to play him. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I'm going to play him. Well, well, the bad thing is that's the only thing that worked from that day because – I missed both my parlays by two picks, so Ooh. I was like four and I was four and two on both of them, and it was like just minuscule stuff that, like I missed by a rebound. Oh, I know what it was. Um, the kid for, um, I think it's Tory Craig for the Suns. I just needed him to score ten points. He scored it. Yeah. Everything else on the card hits, KG. Everything. You know what? I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> it won't right. stay. I'm tired of it, man. It just it won't stay down. I'm tired of it. We're going wild, man, today. Okay. Last but not least, this is where we got to go. Because Thursday is the NFL draft. As you can see, the sideline junkies are now on the clock. 
<sighs> Grocery list, man. Let, let, let me pull up the, the commander's picks because uh, we, we, have a, we got a lot of mock draft app. Uh, no, I don't. All right. So what I'm going to do to make this even more interesting is if you want, because you, you, you want me to do all the picks for the commanders, I take it, right? Yes. Because I'm, right. I'm, I'm pulling up the – I know we got 16. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it um, – I'm not going to do any trades. I'm sorry. I'm not doing any trades. And I'm going to try to just basically stick to my shopping list um, as best as I can uh, to fulfill this draft. So you let me know what you want, how you want to start this. What questions you want to go with first? Um, you're on the clock. Round number 16. Oh, hold on. I'm hold sorry. On, hold round on. number 16. Uh, pick number 16, round one. Hold on. Let me get, let me get it started. And this is easy because... Oh, they just bolted through my thing. Let's restart. This is riveting TV right now. As my um my draft thing acts up. All right, so I'm gonna reject all trades. So I'm sitting here. Ooh, sitting at 16 on the board. B. John Robinson, Peter Skoronsky, Donnell Wright, Jordan Addison. Deontay Banks. Okay. Ben Conti would take Darnell Wright. Tackle Tennessee. Uh, swing tackle. Nah, he's gonna be your right tackle. Okay. Now watch when I watch this kid's tape, and I don't have, I can't say I have coaches tape, but I've watched a bunch of plays of him, replays of him. And he reminds me of a right-sided Trent. He's athletic. He's mobile. Um, he's he's a dog when he gets his paws on you. Um, and, like, I hate now – like, I think we've gotten too – as football people or people talk football, we're stuck in the old mode. Like, everybody's stuck in the mode of your best tackle has to be your left tackle. Well, that's not the case anymore because now you're, you're Joey Bosa's your Max Crosby's, um, your um, Von Miller's—they're coming off the other side. They're coming off the side where the right tackle is. So you got to shore that up. So for me, and I'll—I'll I'll put this or um, process this a little bit more for you. So my application puts right at my right tackle. The kid they picked up from Kansas City goes in my right guard. We're going to put a question mark at center because we want to see how this draft flows. Um, Cosme goes left guard. And then you go with um, Leno at left tackle. Now, the kicker is I figure Cosby's going to be hurt at some point. So Chris Paul comes in to that mix later. Um, so right now, tentatively, we're starting Chase Rouillet at center. All right. So let me restart this up and get us to the second pick, which is 47. Ooh. <laughs> oh, God, I wasn't expecting this. All right. So 47, we have Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, Jake Campbell, Jack Campbell, Iowa um, linebacker, Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver, um, Adetomiwa Adabawar um, from Northwestern the Edge, center John Michael Schmitz, um, center Joe Tippins, Cedric Tillman, wide receiver, and Drew Saunders. 
So I'm taking, because I've been talking about this kid since the draft started, is me and Pete Medhurst, fan, um, Kings is fan club, and that's John Michael Smith, the, the center out of um, Minnesota. Now, to some, this is going to be a reach. Some, you're going to say it's not a position to need. But I feel like if you are if you get your center, the middle of your line is stable, and he's the quarterback of your offense. This team has struggled the last three years playing centers. I think we played just about nine centers as well as we played nine quarterbacks or more the last three years. So if you can get that foundation, and Dallas showed you this, um, about eight to ten years ago, there was a kid on the board named Travis Fredericks, center. They were at picking like 24, 25. Dallas took him. Everybody made a stink about Dallas going to pick him because they felt like it was a reach. Well, at the end of the day, this kid had a 10-year career or maybe an eight-year career. He would have been a Hall of Famer if it weren't for the injuries. Um, but he, st- he stabilized the middle of that offense, and they took off. Those are the best years you saw Zeke run. It was with him at center. True. So this is why, and, and even if I don't get, and I'll, I'll go because I have another breakdown. Um, later on. I'll give you the grocery list that we actually worked off of, and I'll give you, I got five players that are playmakers, and I got five players that um, are linemen that I, I'm highlighting in this draft. So let now we're on to the third let round. Me, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. Well, let me comment on this because you said something about the center play the last three years, and the biggest part about that was, Ruye not being healthy. When he's not healthy, it's like when they move Schweitzer over and he had to get going. And you know, I'm a West Schweitzer man. And he had to get going at center because, like, they didn't practice him enough at center. It's like nobody else practiced at center but Ruye. So if he goes down, uh, okay, we'll figure it out. Nah, 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 nah. I, I just, I don't want that anymore. I don't want, I want every lineman to practice at every position. That way, if anybody got to fill in, it's not a problem. Well, you got you gonna struggle with that just because of the mandates from the league and the players' association with, with practice time. So you can't like you, that's why I think they they pick this um, position flex as kind of like the keystone, the hallmark of their line. But I think you got to get two. I, I think you got to put two guys on there that's going um, anchor your franchise for the next ten years and go from there. You, you put all this money and all this time and energy into your defensive line, but you've neglected your offensive line. Um, I think the last first-round um, offensive lineman is probably um, the guard, um, Brandon Scherf. Brandon Scherf, who was drafted as a tackle. Right, and he moved in the guard. Yep, because he was getting destroyed in, in training camp. And see, and I think destroying him at right tackle. And I think that's going to be the issue with the kids, Skaronski, and I think Skaronski is going to take a fall that we weren't expecting. Um, he's going to fall back. And then I think the other tackles like Paris Johnson, and you might even see Darnell Wright go higher. But for right now, for this exercise, I got Wright going to Washington at 16. And I'm backed up on my, my man, John Kahn, because on the NFL Nation um, draft mock, he's there as well. He took the same pick. Um, I'm just glad they don't have Bill Poling on this no more. Oh, my God. But that's a whole other thing. So now we're in the third round. We're on pick 99. 97. I'm sorry, 97. Um, pick. So there's running back Zach Evans. There's um, running back Israel Abana Conda. Uh, Luke Whipler. Zach Harrison Edge from Ohio State. 
Jalen Duncan, Maryland. I already took care of my offensive line, so I don't have Duncan or Whipler. Um, running back, I want to do it, but I'm not going to do it here because I like the running backs in this group. Um, these are two guys, the Israel Abanaconda guys, a guy that I really like. But right now, I got to think about the future. So I'm going to take Zach Harrison, the edge um, from, from Ohio State. Okay. Uh, All right. So now, let me ask a question. Hold on, I got questions. I got questions. We got time, so I got questions. I'm writing all this down because if this comes to fruition, it's not. But go ahead. I don't know. We 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 got to buy you a little bit of the bubble or something. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, this Zach Harrison, edge out of OSU. Mm -hmm. Is this to? Ah, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say. Well, this is me laying. This is me layering talent because I have to have uh, um, a bridge because at this at some at this point next year I'm making a decision between it's either Sweat or Chase. I can't go Sweat and Chase. I just can't. From a roster building standpoint, you can't because you didn't. You're spending. Look at look at your roster. If you put your roster out and you put the money dollar signs out, you're gonna have twenty million at tackle. 18 to 20 million that tackle, you'll have 19 million at end, and then you have another 19. You're gonna have almost a 80 million dollar um defense. Now, if that's a number one overall defense, I can see the reason to do that. Uh, but now if that's a middle of the pack 16 to 18 defense, blow this shit the fuck up. No, but, that's that's because that's when you this is where Washington falls into their problems. They don't layer talent, they don't build for the future. If this is Baltimore. Right now, either right now they might be shopping Montez. If this was Baltimore, to be honest with you, you might shop Montez now, see what you can get for him, and whatever pick you get back, you pick a, a young um, edge rusher there. I can't agree with you there because Montez Sweat has been your steady hand. Him and John Allen have been your steady hand on that defensive line. So then you already saw me. You can give him the chase. If I had to choose. Right now, at this very moment, at 8.30 on April 25th, 2023, if I had to choose right now as of what I've seen, Chase would be my odd man out, not because of lack of talent, but then I'm I'm, I'm kind of screwed because I spent the number two draft pick on him. See what I'm saying? You're not screwed. And, and, and this, this thing, see, see what we're doing now. We're, we're applying 2000 to 2015 philosophies to a 2023 draft. If you make a mistake at two, you just move on for it from it. Now, in my situation, I think you I would sign sweat personally. I'd put a tag on um Chase and then I'd move Chase. Well, or, or, or vice versa. But I'm moving one of those two guys because I can't have that allotment in my in that position. It's the same reason I was willing to move off a of sheriff, because I can't have 18 million playing guard. Here's my thing. Now, I'm just a Madden GM. I may not go as deep in the GM as you. I love the the, the aspect of it. I love the philosophy of it. But now, when it came time to choose between Sweat, Payne, Allen, Chase, because I had all of them at one time, and it came time to choose, and I think I still had uh, – I still had Ionitis. I had Casey, too. I had a pretty deep defensive line. And I was like, but – 
I night has played so well for me. I can't let him go. I wound up letting Deron Payne walk. So, actually, so me, what I did was I actually traded Deron Payne to last year his contract for a first round pick and a third round pick. That now that was this is magic Madden logic. Oh uh, yeah, because you would never get that value. No, I, no offense, I had so you, you gotta also realize and, and that year Madden, that was a uh, 20. So in that year, Madden, I had uh I had turned Dwayne Haskins into a superstar X Factor. Like he was a 95 overall. Because I worked on when I tell you I worked on Haskins, I worked on Haskins. So let's so let's get back into the roster build. Let's go Washington. Let's take it back a step to Washington with this defensive line in 2022. This before this season. If we went back a year mm-hmm. in a year in the vacuum, my me talking to anybody would have said. I'm I'm moving pain either this year or next year. Whenever I get the opportunity, I'm signing, I'm keeping the ends. Because I feel like you can always get a guy to work flex in the middle. But I think Payne showed you such an elite skill set this season that you had to sign him long term. Um, even though I, I still I'm still kind of on the fence on that. And the reason I'm on the fence is because again, we're talking about 40 million up, up the middle. Yeah. And you, you you drafted a kid for Darian uh, Mathis that was supposed to be the replacement. Now he got hurt, so that plays a factor into it. And then you got the kids you picked up from Dallas, um, the uh, um, Brock Lesnar. I know that's not his real name, but he likes to powerbomb people. So um, <laughs> you know you have that. So I th- I felt like you could get away from somebody in the middle, but they didn't do that. So now the thing is you have to get rid of one of the ends, and that doesn't have to be a twenty twenty three decision. But that's definitely something that happened in 2024. Now, the better caveat is what does this front office look like in 2024? That that we don't know. Now I'm gonna tell you now, it's not gonna be made. This uh Zach Harrison kid, uh, is that a response to Shaka Tony being out for the whole entire season due to suspension as far as depth goes? No. This is this is me. This is me putting a kid that has a ceiling. I don't think he reached that ceiling when he was at Ohio State. So he might fall a little bit more in the draft. Um, but for me, from a talent perspective, um, I think he shows flashes, and maybe that's what I need. He's a little bit more explosive than a Casey Tuhill and a um, uh, James Smith-Williams. Is that the right hyphenation? Yes. One of the hyphen boys. I can't remember which how it goes. So that's the thing for me. He gives you a little bit better, more of a burst. And maybe he can be a threat on the outside. So those times when you take chasing him out, maybe you can still get some of that explosiveness um, back on the field. All right. On to pick number 118. All right. So now 118, I've kind of pushed myself into a hole here. Um, but I'm gonna take um I'm gonna take R. Kelly's favorite player in this draft. Um, he's a linebacker out of Alabama. Name is Henry Tutu. <laughs> beep, <a> beep. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> Oh man! And you said uh, what? Uh, he can play any linebacker spot, and of uh, course they're gonna pick an Alabama player. But no, I mean I think for him it's just a situation where um, he's a smart guy. You lost um, Holcomb. I just think you don't, you're not gonna play three linebackers a lot. But I would love to see them get somebody that's a little bit more athletic, uh, cerebral assassin, 
Uh, because this year, if you paid attention, I think they were in four three. Um, I think it was I think the stat said nine to ten percent of the time. They were more than right. No, even even beyond that, they're they're more in a nickel than anything yeah, else. That is true. So, so it doesn't make the third linebacker important. That's why I waited on the third linebacker. But in this situation, the way my board is set up, and this board actually, this board falls perfectly for your boy. This is this is the Ben Conti dream board right here as we're walking through this. So this 2-2 pick um, doesn't normally happen when I do mocks, but it's perfect. And you're going to see this next pick. So the next pick, do you have the number? Because I'm not on the screen where I see the number. Uh, 150. So at 150, Ben Conti, I've talked in the war room to my guy Pete Methurst. We see the guy we want on the board. We're going to go Ty J. Spears. From mm. Tulane. If I have time, I might put a, a sleeper board, but he would be number one on my sleeper board. Position? Running back. Ooh. He's a three down back. That's a that's a crowded running back room, brother. No, it's not, because he gonna he gonna he's more elusive and more explosive than Jerry Pat- Patterson. He's more elusive and more explosive than Jonathan Williams. You those two guys are your fourth running back. Unfortunately, I, I apologize. I don't mean to hurt nobody's feelings, but that's what they are. And you need something. You need something different from Gibson because I feel like Gibson, even though he doesn't run to his size, he can be a mauler. Um, Robinson can be a mauler. And this guy is going to give you the jiggle that you used to get from McKissick. And he's got the same toughness as McKissick when it comes to being a willing blocker. Now, what that show in year one, I don't know. But year two, year three, I think it's gonna be there because you're going. You then he also serves. Let's let's take it another step forward because I know you. I know what you're gonna say about me, but I don't care. But now Gibson's contract is up because I think this is his fourth year. So now you gotta move on from Gibson in some way, shape, or form because you don't give running back second contracts. I'm gonna go ahead and reach over here. I'm gonna grab my bottle of water because I know the boss BJ. Is sitting out there somewhere in podcast land, and he is clapping his goddamn hands because that's his fucking philosophy too. Hey man, when you when you running back expendable, I can get a running back in the fifth, sixth round. I don't need to pick a running back in the third round. What I round do we just back in the seventh? What round do we just take him? Uh, what round is that? Hold on, one fifty. That's round five. All right, what pick are we on now? Uh, pick number. 193. Uh, 193 and 215 are six-round picks. So we got three right. picks to go. So, see, here it is. The Yo, so if I was in the room today, whoo Oh, man. This oh, this thing just messed up and reset on me. Let's try to run through this real quick. Let's put it on fast. Okay. Let, let me say this. I understand you guys' philosophy about running backs because running backs – the uh, there are no more Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith. Uh, hell, there are no more Robert Smiths, if you remember from the Vikings. There are no more franchise running backs, Eric Dickerson's, uh, uh, Earl Campbell's. They, they, you know, there are no more running backs like that where you get a guy and he's your workhorse for 
seven to ten years, and he's piling up a thousand yards the whole every time. You know, you just keep changing the pieces of the offensive line. He just keep doing it. There's no more OJ Andersons. You know, there, there's no more of those. Now it's the running back position is so expendable and the shelf life. Ever since ESPN did that graphic where they talked about the the lifespan the NFL lifespan of a running back being from age 21, 22 to about 26 in about four years. And that's pretty much how, how long you play as a running back. That right there has thrown off how you pay running backs. But Ezekiel Elliott alone has really messed up the scale of how they get paid. No, he hasn't. You, Ezekiel wasn't supposed to get paid. He See, I believe in short, if I'm going to give him an extension – this is one of those deals that's front-loaded, and I can get out of it in two years or three years. So he's getting either the two-year – I'm sorry, he's getting a three-year deal where the first two years is where he really gets his money, and the third year I can walk away from it. Or I'm going to give him a four-year deal where the money's in the first two, and it's, it's easy money to walk away from in three, but I can definitely walk away in year four. Because you're starting to get into the years where if you're not a special running back and you don't take care of your body the right way, uh, which is another reason why I'm so high on B. John Robinson because I think he's going to be one of those exceptions. He's going to be one of the few running backs that you won't mind giving that second contract to. So, but that's that's that. So I'm back up. The board has changed because, of course, the algorithm is a little bit different. But I'm going to stick with what they have on this board. Um, they have, um, and this is actually the pick. Uh, it's not the pick I would have made in the other scenario. But in this situation, there's a kid named Andre Ayo Savaz from Princeton, wide receiver. I'm going to take him there. I'm hoping the kid has tools to be a punt returner or a kick returner because I need to move away, very far, far away from um, um, Max yeah, um, that, being my, my return. Yeah. That's Mill. So now we move forward, and we're at 215. Uh, all right. Yeah, this board totally different now, so it's going to mess me up a little bit. But I'm going to be a trooper, and I'm going to reach. I'm going to do my reach here. Um, I'm going to take – all right, took my linebacker. All right, took my receiver. So in this situation, I'm going to go with one of the guys I think can be special and give some time to develop. I'm going to go Malik Cunningham, quarterback, Louisville. Bold. 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 I say that because you just took Sam Howell. Malik Cunningham, is, Malik Cunningham is in no way, shape, or form ready to play any NFL football year one. But we need this team has shown you the propensity to go through quarterbacks. He gives he gives you arm he has arm talent, he has the legs. So even in the worst case scenario, we're getting down to him as our third option because the first two are hurt. You can put some kind of package in to coddle him and cradle him through the rest of the way. I would have taken Dorian DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson from UCLA um, earlier, but just the way the mock worked out. He was he was there, but I had a position higher value um, in his place. So that's that's why that didn't work out. Here's my question: Shoot away. 
You got Jacoby Brissett as your as your uh your veteran leader. Right. Um, Jake Fromm and Sam Howell right now on the on the on the roster. Now looking at this, you bring you bring in Malik Cunningham. You do realize the, the type of situation you are creating, correct? I'm not creating anything. I'm no, no, right. this we, we we just mock, but I'm like, if you if this happens, you bring him in. The situation that you are creating, this kid goes creating. out and takes 10 snaps in a preseason game, and he goes seven to seven, and they score a touchdown in that drive, and he looks really, really good against fourth string, fifth string guys. You're creating this frenzy that's going to happen every year. It, it has happened. Oh, he should be starting. Look how pretty he throws the ball in practice. Look how good he throws the ball in warm-ups. That's what you're creating right now. But but I mean, but the fact of the matter is, because I understand the landscape, it doesn't bother me because if you pay attention to the beginning of the year, Sports Talk Radio, before the season started, after like two days of training camp, maybe even OTAs, there was guys calling in saying, "Oh, Sam Howell should be the starter." That is just the nature of the beast, and like, I, you got to understand the nature of your beast. So, so that's why. I, and then I feel like Cunningham is such a developmental project that a I get a kid sitting behind Brissett, um, that can actually learn. Maybe he becomes something. But for worst case scenario, for me, I got something because I've gone through twelve quarterbacks or eleven quarterbacks in three years. I just got to have somebody that can potentially play. And I know Jake from Georgia ain't the answer at all. He should be Jake from State Farm. Yeah. Insurance somewhere. Yeah. But, I mean, you either way, you, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm being facetious, but I'm saying, you know, anytime a quarterback, and I've noticed it, whether it's quarterback, running back, receiver, they make a play in training camp. They make a play in practice, pregame. Immediately, everybody's on the on the bandwagon. Oh, they should be starting. What is this team doing? This team will never win because they don't start these guys. And then they finally start. That's like uh, John Beck. Tom Lavero said it perfectly. The worst thing that ever happened to John Beck is he had to actually play. If he wouldn't have never played, he would have been the greatest thing that never was. But what happened to him is he actually had to play. And you saw that he was no good. When he left here, where did he wind up? I don't think he went anywhere after here. He may have played in, like, some spring league, whatever the spring league was at that time. But, yeah. He right. USL. I don't know. It was something like that. I don't even know what it was. But he might have gotten a, 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 a club of coffee there. But, I mean, John Beck led the greatest campaign um, of all time. He, I thought, personally, he should have just gone. The second he showed he couldn't play football, he should have gone, got in the weight room, and went to the WWE. And try to get a contract because he he talked himself up to the fans the best that I've ever seen anybody do it. I just understand what they were listening to. I had no faith in him. I said if he if he was any good, Baltimore wouldn't have never let him go. I thought personally in that situation that the fans built up again fan pressure and this fan base loving the backup so much that yes Rex had a terrible game against Philly, and I think Beck may have saved and they won that game, but I thought. Beck was your best. I mean, I'm sorry. I thought Rex was your best option moving forward, no matter what. He was the only one that showed me he could play quarterback on this team at that time. Well, maybe I'm just a sucker. I mean, I, I already know what I'm gonna get from Rex. I, I used to call him RG two. We getting two. We getting two picks. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know he's gonna give me my two. It's okay. Just don't hurt me. Santana loved him. Uh, remember 
Donovan McNabb was benched for Rex Grossman and John Beck. He was benched for those guys Donovan for three games. See, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to say no comment because I – Donovan, mm -mm, nope, mm -mm, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Mm -mm. Okay, pick number 233 because he will not take the bait, ladies and gentlemen. Pick number 233. <laughs> so in this situation, I mean, we're now at the point where your shopping list goes to hell and you're just going to go with kids or somebody that you really like or uh, somebody you have a good grade on. Select the me. Um, I was trying to see if the Merlin kicker was in here, um, if he was available, but I don't see him um, on my list. So I'm going to go with a, a kid that local ties. He's way off the beaten path. I, I mean, again, this board might not be realistic, but I'm going to go with Shamari Connor from Virginia Tech because he plays cornerback, and I can't get enough cornerbacks in my building. Um and that's really the only reason we're taking him is because he's the highest-ranked corner on our board right now. Um, there's a kid that I want to take a chance on that I hope is um, an undrafted free agent, and based on this, he'd be available. Um, there's a kid down Jackson State. Uh, I think his name was Nugget. I can't think of his real name um, off the top of my head, but he's a punt returner, kick returner type of guy. Um, he played for Dion at Jackson State. And I can't help but believe that that kid might just be a possibility. He might just be an option. Bring him in, let him let him run some kicks back, see what you got. I mean, you always can go back and just be safe and play with Milne and um, uh, as your return man, and and Gibson as your kickoff return man. But for for the sake of trying to break the mold of not thinking outside the box, um, that's the type of kid I would take a chance on, and I would bring a kicker in. Um, don't matter what, what school it is. I, I personally preferred the Maryland kicker, and I would have used that second six-round pick um, if it was available. And the pick uh, where the draft got messed up on the original board, I would have taken the tight end out of Miami, Will Mallory, um, because I think that's that kid right there has great value. Um, he's just a victim of having a um, Josh – I think his name is Josh Gaddis um, – the old uh, Michigan um, offense coordinator as their offense coordinator. And his quarterback fell off the map at Miami because that kid was supposed to be one of the top quarterbacks in this class or potentially the top quarterback for 2024. And then Mallory was going, going to break out because that kid was throwing the ball. Unfortunately, that didn't happen because Gaddis likes to ruin offenses. And I'm, this is the only thing that worries me about him being at Maryland. I hope Locks keeps the play calling and does his thing because Josh Gaddis is not high on my list in terms of an offensive coordinator getting the best out of his kids. Um, but Mallory would have been the pick at tight end. So now that you see the draft, you kind of can figure out a little bit of my shopping list and my priorities. Even though I I, I messed up in the in the second round, but I took I took value over taking my shopping list. Here's uh the only question I got about your shopping list. Um, a lot of people, fans, I should say, a lot of fans think that, you know, we could go secondary a little bit more. You did pick a cornerback last. Uh, you were talking a lot about guys being able to do the more than one thing as you know, you got your position, but you can also play special teams. Uh, just a thought. 
Troy Apke out of Penn State. We knew how fast he was coming out of Penn State. Right. Maybe it's about time. The only way he makes this team is if he can return punts or kicks or something. Use that speed for something. You have to. But see, if 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 you watch him, um, I'm a I'm gonna use the Mike Mayockism that I used in my my profile. I don't think he has oily hips. I don't think he has shake. Um, so I wouldn't. I don't think he would be a punt return kind of a guy. I think okay. he's more of a straight line speed guy. He might be able to do a kick return, but again, I just wouldn't put him in that situation because I don't think that's something he does. Okay. So if we go to my shopping list, and this is where so my shopping list is O tackle, cornerback, edge, center, running back. That's how I had it in priority for me. Okay. Now I had to step off of priority for me when we got to the second pick because the center that I liked the most was there at my pick. So I had to sacrifice my, my my list for who I thought was the best player, the guy that's going – if I plug him in for 10 years, he's going to be at center for 10 years, and I'm going to have one of the best offensive lines in the league for the next 10 years with him holding down the middle, holding down the fort. And now with a kid like him in the middle and with the athletic t- guards we have and the athletic tackles we have, we can make Robinson and company the best running back tandem or the best group of backs in this league. And that's another place where the kid Ty J Spears comes into play. Okay. Now, looking over the linebackers, I forgot about losing uh, Cole Holcomb. Not right. even going to lie to you. I forgot about it. It's one of those things I put out of my head because it hurts. Uh, you still have Jamin Davis, who played pretty well last season. Uh, Kalik Hudson. That's the name that I wanted to bring up, Kalik Hudson. Do you think he's on the bubble this year? I think he's on that bubble every year. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think his he's be one of those guys that he's going to earn his job every summer because kind of like Brian Mitchell used to say, like I think there was a stretch where Brian Mitchell every time he came into camp, there was a new running back um, that they had just either picked or they brought in, and of course he, you know, held them off. But I think Kalik Hudson because he doesn't have elite size, he's not. Um, He's probably not – he's more instinctual than he is explosive. Um, so I don't see him holding down a spot. And then because, again, we're going to get back in this these key words where this team will play with the three safeties, that Buffalo nickel, um, that's kind of where this situation where I don't know, like, how Hudson's future plays out. Uh, but I definitely think he's a, a fringe guy. Okay. Uh, funny thing about Brian Mitchell, it's funny you brought him up. Joe Gibbs said he wanted to use Brian Mitchell in so many different ways. He said, I want to split him out wide. I want him to run the ball. I want him to be my quarterback. He said, I just didn't want to overuse him. Right. He said, that was the biggest. He said, he's so talented. I didn't want to overuse him and burn him out. Well, if you notice, um, the part that was, I think, where Brian struggled was Brian never was able to be every down back. And maybe his special teams value was part of that where they didn't want to risk him doing being every down and running him ragged because their, their replacement level for Brian Mitchell compared to the replacement level of running back. Like that gap was a lot less using somebody else at running back every down than using him than, than using somebody else as a kick returner. And I yeah. think that was one of the big things that it, it, it was almost like a gift and a curse. Like he was so good at kick returning kicks that, 
it kind of cost them a little bit on the every down situation. And when they brung uh, Dion in, I said, yeah. That I, what was that? That was uh, Brian Mitchell's last season was two thousand. Yeah, and they brought Dion, and I was like, "Yeah, but Dion shouldn't be running back kicks and punts." That's Brian Mitchell all day long. Now I would love to see both of them back there, so you don't know which one's getting the ball, and then some. Now all of a sudden, somebody's high stepping to the house because both of them had a, had a, the ability to break it. Right, uh, but it's crazy. We go from. Even Dion for one year, and after you know, after he got his money, he retired and put his his burgundy and gold pinstripe suit in the corner and just pimped on about it. You know, he slapped us around like a hoe and took our money and left. But we go from having kick returners, and I mean Mike Nelms, Daryl Green, Brian Mitchell, uh, 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 Dion Sanders, these kick and punt returners to having even Santana Moss because you know we need to touch that. You, you called on Santana Moss. We go from all of that to it being such a problem position now. That bothers me. So go back. If you go back, um, I think it was week four or week five, Jahan Dotson got hurt and missed about five weeks. I think personally that if that stretch doesn't happen, I think that kid returns kicks. It's not a consistent basis, but if there's a kick, that we like, hey, we need a return. I think Dotson would have been back there, um, or even Samuel would have been back there to to try to take one back, just to see what we could do. Um, and I think you're gonna see that this year. But also, that's part of my like one of my things that I have prioritized. Um, like on the if I had one of those chalkboards and I had it up here on the wall, one of my priorities would have been find a kid that's a kick and punt returner um, in this draft. And, and I think there's a kid from, uh, I'm going to say K-State. I'm going to find his name. But he's a return man. I think he plays corner as well. Um, but I think he led the nation in kickoff returns and punt returns. Once I find his name, um, I'll I'll have that for Thursday. That's my homework assignment for Thursday. Okay. Um, real quick, my five top playmakers in this draft. Um, this, this is all skill positions. Um so I got B. John Robinson, uh, running back, of course, Texas, number one. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback. Um, I think he's Illinois. Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Hendon Hooker, who's going to probably be the bigger – he's the biggest question mark of this draft, quarterback, Tennessee. And I think the biggest playmaker in this draft, or one of the biggest, is um, Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver, Tennessee. Because when I see Hyatt run, he reminds me of Deshaun Jackson. He's got the small frame. He's a little bit taller than Deshaun. But when you see him get up and go, he's one of those guys going to get up and go, and, and he's going he gonna to leave town. And you just got to hope you're close enough to the smoke. Um, Lineman-wise, on, def- I mean, on offense, I got Darnell Wright. Um, Paris Johnson. I got the two centers, Joe Tipman, and um, the kid I picked, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota, and then Osiris Torrance is a guard from Florida. You get a chance, KG. You watch some his tape. That dude's a mauler. He dirty. 
I can't never remember the cat's name. The one I, I sent you the uh the video of him. Uh old boy came in as a tight end. He wound up being a guard. Uh God, what is his name? He dominated right. the senior bowl. He dominated what? He dominated at the senior bowl. He was he was you talking uh, about Cody he, Mock, the kid with the no front. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So he's I, a kid I, that he's a kid that I like, and I like the fact that he showed off. He showed that he could play all three or all five lineman positions in the draft. I mean, in the senior bowl. The only thing I worry about with him is I don't know if he has one that is truly elite. Um, and I think that's going to be the question mark for him. But I think his perfect team, he's got two. Will either be the Patriots or the Ravens. I think those are two teams that he would get there and he would find out or figure out where he's supposed to be. Okay. Now, I, I say that because losing a guy like uh, Wes Schweitzer may not be a big deal to y'all. Big deal to me. Because – when it came down to run blocking and run win shares, nobody had a higher grade. Nobody had more wins than Wes Schweitzer in the last two years. Yeah, but I think Wes Schweitzer's contract that he got showed me what he what he really is. Like you, that's he's giving you replacement level um, right guard play. So, so for me, so like let's go back to Darnell Wright. So there's a reason I went right at right tackle than picking one of the left tackles or anything like that. The main reason is I felt like I got a blue chip all-star guy. And I think both of them, I think my guy, right. And I think my guy Smith will be pro bowlers in the next five to 10 years. Now in the next year, if I can get in the draft, I can get my left tackle. Now we emulating the line of like a Jansen Samuel combination on the outside. Now I got my two bookends. Now I got everything cooking, but now I've got such better play in the middle that now my running backs, you know, my B Johns, you know, they're not getting hit at, at two yards behind on the scrimmage. Now they're getting hit three, four yards down the field. So now we're starting to get, we're getting some holes. Now we get Gibson going through on a, on a tunnel or Gibson going somewhere else. And now you're starting to see the athleticism in the field of these guys. So now what we're doing is we're going to start – instead of having – because the problem I always watch with this team is we have a lot of seven to nine-yard runs. What we really need to have is those 11 to 20, those 30, 40-yard runs. And I think when you solidify the front, then everything else goes into play. But I think you have to come out of personally with two guys in this draft. That's going to be, and it's, and it's no knock on the guys we have, but it is a knock on the guys we have because I don't have elite talent level. Like when I look on the board and you say, I got Ruye, that's that's not blue. That's not a blue chip because he can't stay healthy. I look at um, Andrew Norwell. That's not a blue chip. So now, see, see I feel like I got to start putting some blues on the wall or I got to get some five stars up there. Because then one my talents elite in front, the guy that's playing behind them becomes elite. And the guys on the outside become even better. That's enough of, of um Midnight Rider GM. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, only reason why it's enough because we run out of time and we gotta go, but Thursday. Oh something else happened today. You don't want to talk about your boy, Emma? 
Like two seconds. Who? Udoka. Ma Udoka. You may Udoka. Oh, he got hired by uh the Rockets. <laughs> the Rockets. <laughs> You know, hey, so Fernovas already know they gotta hide the women and children. Put the women and children to bed. Let's go hunting for fucking dinner, baby. But no, I I think that's I think that's gonna be a shock to that team, and I think how those young guys respond is gonna determine if he's there for two years or if he's there for a long time. That's all I'm gonna say on that. In the immortal words of the Midnight Rider, I got no words. Yeah, <laughs> I got nothing. I'm, I'm not even gonna say anything. I got nothing. But uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, if you haven't already, like, subscribe, all that jazz, everywhere, so you don't miss anything. But uh, oh, you gotta tell them what to post. Oh, please, please, please! In honor of the draft, I, I may have to reshare this again and tag everybody. But in honor of the draft. Please, please, please go to the Sideline Junkies 24-7 group and put up your draft profile between 18 and 25. Here it is. Pick your best age as an athlete from 18 to 25. And I wish it would have been a little bit more expanded so I could have did my my, my, my my early my 40s or at least my early 30s, my late 30s. Because I was nah, a dog, man. I was a nah, dog a couple years ago. No, no, no. no. You at 22, you're, that's your best. That's your prime. Your athletic prime is from, to about 25, 26. You now, sure I'm, about that? I'm, telling, I'm sure about that. You sure about I that? I am sure about that. I know I know. for me physically, my I know where my prime was, and I know when it fell off, but I'm just saying that's why I picked that window because for a lot of us, that, that waistline was a last, it was a last filter back then. That's when you was rocking 32s and 34s. Nah, Not I was in the 30, I was in the 36, 38 then. I'm right, right now right. I'm in a, I'm in a 42 right now, 42, 44. Yeah. So I'm right. close, I'm getting close back too. But here's my thing. And the boss BJ can attest to this. Even now, I can still get out and ball. I ball with the key. I want your prime years. I want your prime years. Right, shit, my prime ain't over yet, baby. I'm young and okay. I'm frisky. Okay, okay. Okay, KG. I am young and frisky. Okay. My prime ain't over, baby. Mm-hmm. You know, come on now. I'm hip. I'm slicking. All the women love my A-track now. Come on. All right. Let's, let's see what Dario said. <laughs> He's standing right here. Come, come. Come, come with the kick drum. Come, come. Am I lying? Am I lying? No. You, you're not. He, 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 he's scared. He's like, he, you all right, Dad. Scared? He big. He big as me. What is he? <laughs> I'm messing with you, man. <laughs> but now it's been a while. It has been. We haven't been in the gym since right before. Well, a little bit before COVID hit. But I was telling the boss BJ earlier today, man. I'm ready to get back out. That's it. I want one more intense run. Like all all this summer, I want some intense runs in the gym. And then after that, I'm gonna go find me a 40 and over league. That's about fundamentals and talking about that's a pocket pass. I'm going to play go. with Uncle Drew. That's the, <laughs> that's what I'm doing all day long. I'm going to play with Uncle Drew because all I know is I got hit backdoor cuts. That's a pocket pass. Easy lay-ins. All right. So now that KG is um lived out his 40s, back <laughs> to the draft pro- the draft profile is something something that we just thought was gonna be fun. Like I want you to kind of talk about like 
I want to keep this as close to the draft as possible. Okay. So you ain't got to put your 40 time, but if you if you know you're 40, that's fine. Um, your college doesn't have to be a real college. You can make up a college. Like, I think my college is Bad Moon Rising. Um, that's the old um, flag football <laughs> team name of ours. So that, that was one I picked because I was always in love with that name because uh, Rising was one of my favorite players. But then you got to give yourself three strengths and three weaknesses. But I want to like I want you to try to keep it towards the draft. So so you know for mine, uh, my strength was quicker than fast, um, quick twitch, and uh, I think I said early hips because I like to give a shout out to Mike Mayock because he always says that. If I had the fourth, I would have said um, dancing bear to finish off the Mike Mayockisms. <laughs> um, and then your weakness, you know, mine I think I put. Um, doesn't have top end speed. Um, sometimes loses technique, and I forget what the fourth one is. I think oh, um, doesn't have a true position. Those are the the three things I use myself. But again, I think I picked my age twenty two. I think I was five eight two twenty five. I was benching two twenty five about seventeen to eighteen times with that clip. Um, so yeah, again, it's just something to have fun with, man. Just just something to kick around. I would love to see the Joker's really run around with this um the college thing kind of like the nfl players do like ball so hard and all that but that's enough of that we got like 30 seconds before we hit the one the hour 30 mark well i did it too you got to go check out mine so <laughs> you got to go check out mine mine is all true most people say the 40 time is off no the 40 time is true it was time several times it was stay where it was at but i was a pure athlete still am could play anything but Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, be back Thursday doing the draft live. Um, hopefully, we can roll with the draft in on in screen, or we can just do it like we normally do and just have it playing in the background, going through the picks and everything. But about I say about pick thirteen, we go live. That way we can get pick sixteen and we can really break down that sixteen pick when the, when Washington picks. So until Thursday, that's the Midnight Rider. I'm the big guy, KG. We does this overtime thing. We are. <laughs>